0: The Gospel of Luke chapter 1, we're going to begin at verse 26. The Gospel of Luke chapter number 1. If I can have one of the ushers to bring me a cup of water, please. Thank you so much. Now, in a sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee uh, named Nazareth. To a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, the virgin name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, And and, and of his kingdom, there will be no end. Let's pray. Father, we thank you this morning, God, for what you're doing in and through us. Lord, I thank you, uh, Father God, for the opportunity to share in the things of God. Father, I pray you would give us an ear to hear this morning. Father, as we seek to do that which is proper, God, we seek to honor you and to declare that Jesus truly reign and so father god open our eyes open our minds open our hearts so that we can be transformed and god that we would forever uh, live our lives in your presence and honoring you and giving you the glory that is due your precious name we ask these things in jesus name Amen. amen you can be seated in the lord's presence Once again, Merry Christmas to you. And uh, this past month, as you know, uh, we have been uh, studying the Christmas story. Uh, we have been looking at various characters throughout the Bible uh, that, uh, that helped to make up and to shape the Christmas story. Uh, we begin our sermon series uh, at the beginning of December. Uh, we begin talking about John the Baptist. After John the Baptist, we talked about Joseph and his message and how God used him in extraordinary fashion and the grace that he showed toward Mary. Uh, Last week, uh, we examined faith through the lives of Mary and Zacharias. And we discovered last week that without faith is impossible to please God. And so we had highlighted the fact that Mary, she got it right because she was a woman of faith and God used her in incredible ways. So today, I want to culminate this series, I think, which is proper, and I wanna talk about Jesus the King. If you wanna entitle this sermon, that's what you write down for the title. It is Jesus the King. How many of you realize that Jesus is a king? He is the king of kings. how many of you like to go to concerts? You ever been to a concert, different events, different places? And uh, I don't go to them as often as I, I used to, but uh, I remember that whenever you went to an event, and it could be not just a concert, it could be some kind of you know, event, a lot of times they will have what they call an opening act. You know what an opening act is, right? The opening act is generally not what you came, not what you paid for, right? You came, but you didn't really come to see the opening act. And oftentimes, the opening act is someone who is trying to be famous, or they have an opportunity, and what they want to do is they want to show off their talent. And so somebody hears about them and decides to give them an opportunity. Now, you, uh, standing there, you're listening to that opening act, and yes, you're excited, and some opening acts are really, really good, but you know, After a while, uh, you want the opening act to hurry up and get off the stage because you didn't come to see the opening act, right? You came to see the main event, the person that you paid for. I wanna say that in the context of scripture, in particular, everything that we've been talking about as it relates to Christianity. Everything that we have been discussing in recent weeks And you've heard us say this over and over and over again, that Christmas is not about Santa Claus. Amen. It's not about reindeer. It's not about, watch this, it's not about Mary. It's not about Joseph. It's really not even about John the Baptist. The Christmas story is not really about any of that. The Christmas story is about Jesus. Jesus is the main event. Without Jesus, you have no Christmas story, amen? Without Jesus, we are not here. So make no mistake about it. Everything about Christmas is about Jesus, which means if you've been saved by Jesus, you ought to get a little bit excited, which means you ought to give me a reply like amen or something. Help me in here. How many of you love Jesus? Come on, help me preach. This story is about Jesus. That's what this whole thing is all about. I I think about this. Jesus said this in uh, John chapter 5, 39. I love this verse. He says, you search the scriptures. (laughs) For in them you think you have eternal life. And these are they which testify of me. Prophetically, David said, lo, I come in the volume of the book. Behold, it was written of me. Now, I want you to think for a moment because your Bible is very thick, a lot of practical applications, and it really demonstrates how God changed the lives of so many people. But you must never allow yourself to miss the whole point of the Bible. You must never allow yourself to miss the whole point of Christianity. And we say all the time that Christmas is a time whereby we celebrate and we love family and and all that is good. It's a time when we, we give gifts and we need to do that. That is a wonderful thing. But you must understand that Christianity is about a king. It's a story. It's a love story. It's a story about God coming down in flesh to redeem a people who don't deserve it. Christmas is about a story of a man who suffered and died at the hands of his creation. Bled, died, and suffered so that you and I could have life. And and somehow that if we're not careful, we can lose sight of what this whole thing is all about. And so I want to bring the focus today back to where it belongs. We want to talk about Jesus. Now, many of you just say, Pastor, I know we talk about Jesus, that's great. Yeah, but I want to talk about Jesus not as the baby, amen? And I know we're celebrating his birth, but how many know the story don't stop there? <laughs> it's not just about his birth. Uh, this story uh, goes far, much further than his birth. And so I want to talk about Jesus, the king. I want to talk about Jesus, the one who is coming back. How many believe he's coming back? Amen. He is coming back. And the question today is, are we ready for his return? Now, and so as we look at this story, of Mary, and we've been talking about her, an incredible woman of God. God used her in an incredible way. Uh, Gabriel had said to Mary, he gave her some characteristics of the child <laughs> that she would give birth to if you look, you look in the Bible, it's going to give us in verse number 31 in Luke chapter 1. It says, behold, look at verse number 31, Luke chapter 1, verse 31. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. Now, I want you to watch this. Here's the characteristics. Watch this. He will be great. Everybody say great. He will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God would give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob and of his kingdom, watch this, there should be, there shall be no end. Now, the first point, so I want to look at those individually as Gabriel explained to Mary. The first point, he says, Gabriel said to Mary, is that his name will be called Jesus. Now, I know that there's a big to-do about the name Jesus, but you must get very comfortable <laughs> about saying the name Jesus. Uh, you know, people like to talk in generic terms about God. Amen? When they talk about faith and religion, they like to use generic term God but it's something about that name that is very, very powerful. How many know that we ought to be bold when we declare our faith? We ought not to be ashamed to say Jesus. Say that with me. Jesus. When you talk about your faith, don't talk about your faith this Christmas in generic terms. You talk about how that Jesus is the reason. Amen? Amen. You talk about how the Jesus is the one who saved you. You talk about Jesus. Amen? amen. I know they want to push Jesus out of Christmas, but like I said before, you have no Christmas if you don't have Jesus. Amen. And so we're not going to push him out. Amen. We're going to be up in your face about this savior. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Because he's done great things for you. If he's done great things for you, can you give him an Amen. So we want to talk about Jesus. Now the Greek, now why is it so important to say that name? You ever wondered why people get a little bit disturbed when you start talking about Jesus? I've seen times when in high schools, and junior high schools, and kids can wear a t-shirt with all kind of foul things on them. But once they write, come on, you know what I'm talking about. But once you go inside of a school and you have something on your t-shirt that says something about that name Jesus, people get offended. All of a sudden, I got a problem. You had no problem before. You let me wear anything. How many no kids can wear some stuff on their T-shirts a day? But soon you say, "I love Jesus, savior. I love Jesus." All of a sudden, the kids land up in the principal's office. You ever wonder why that is? You ever wonder why that when they ask, watch this now. You ever wonder why they ask people to pray and dignitaries and even in politics? They tell people that, well, you're not supposed to say Jesus. When you pray, don't, don't say that name. I want you to pray. I want you to say, we thank God. Surely, thank God. God is good. Yeah, everybody, God is good. But when you say in Jesus' name, people get a little troubled by that. Because, you know, now you're specifying it. Now you're bringing him into focus. And what the enemy wants to do is he wants to snuff Jesus out of the conversation. But you better not allow that to happen. They asked me not too long ago at the police station here in the Choir Harbor, the neighborhood that I live, they asked me to do uh, the prayer. And, uh, and, of course, I had to let them know, well, if you ask me to do the prayer, I want you to know up front that I'm going to pray in Jesus' name. Yeah. Why? Because the Bible said there's no other name given among men whereby we must be saved other than the name Jesus. Now, I know folk have a problem with that. And if you got a problem with that, you need to check yourself. Because the scripture very, very clearly says that there's no other name, no other name, no other name given among men whereby we must be saved other than the name of who? Jesus. Gabriel said, Mary, this child that is gonna be born to you, his name, will be Jesus. And and every chance you get, you ought to say that name, Jesus. What does Jesus mean? I'm glad you asked. I see you're asking me that question. Jesus means the Lord saves. Yahweh, Savior. (laughs) Jesus came into the world, we all know, to bear our sins. So he is a Savior. But not only did Jesus save us, from hell but how many know he saved us on a regular basis amen. I thank God that every single day he's saving us from stuff he's saving you from accidents he's saving you from yourself come on somebody ought to say amen if you know yourself he's always so he is a savior the Bible says in Luke 19:10, the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost how many know that without Jesus you're lost amen. do you hear me Without Jesus, your love. Jesus came specifically to save the lost. Matthew 121 says, You shall call his name Jesus, for it is he who will save his people from their sins. Luke 2.11 says, Today in the city of David, there has been born to you a savior, which is Christ the Lord. So he is the Savior. He is salvation. So, when we talk about Jesus in this Christmas season, we say the name Jesus. What you're in essence saying is you're saying Savior. And if we don't give people that light, if we do not open our mouths and let it be known, we do a disservice to who we say we are. We do a disservice to the King. So, you ought to get comfortable saying Jesus, not just in church, come on, somebody, but out there, out in the grocery store. And if that name offends some people, then you just got to pray for them. Because there's no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. Secondly, Gabriel said concerning Jesus that he will be great. How do we know that God is great? All time. Jesus is great, he is awesome. I, I, I wanted to I look up the word great, and here's what it means. Watch this out of the ordinary, in degree or magnitude. <laughs> large in size come on somebody larger than others of his kind he's extravagant and extraordinary how many know that they've been trying to shut him down for a very very long time but how many know they can't he is a great god in fact i love this verse in philippians chapter 2 verses 8 through 10 i'll read it and being found in appearance as a man he humbled himself watch this and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Now watch this. Therefore, watch, God also has highly exalted him. Everybody say hi. See, when you look at Jesus, you got to look at him up here. <laughs> he has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name. See, I get a little excited when I talk about Jesus. Watch this. That at the name of Jesus, at what name? Jesus. That's it. Not Buddha. Not Muhammad. Not Harry Christianer, not you, but at the name of Jesus, every knee got to bow. Watch this. And those in heaven, watch this, and those on the earth, and those underneath the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Now, now, now here's the thing you got to understand about that verse that is packed. Everybody going to bow and acknowledge who he is even the rebels and the folks that say, well, I don't want to believe in your God. Everybody is going to bow to Jesus. All of creation will bow and say that name and declare that he is Lord. Everybody say Lord. Lord to God, to the glory of God the Father. So, so when people say to you, man, I, 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 you know, I, I don't want you, Jesus, and, you know, then, then you, you can look at them very lovingly and, and you can let them know that there's coming a point in time that everything's going to have to recognize who he is. You're going to bow. See? Now, we don't walk around with an arrogant tone to say, you know what, uh, you know, we just kind of in your face in an unleavened way. But we let people know that every knee will bow. We'll bow. Why? Because God has exalted him. God said, this is my payment for sin. God says, this is my sacrifice and you must bow and recognize who he is. I get a little bit excited about that because even though it looks like sometimes that that man is in control, how many know man ain't in control? I I know sometimes you look at the news and you see people strategizing and they're trying to come up with ways to fix this and fix that. How many know that it ain't going to get fixed until Jesus comes? And I'm going to show you here in a moment what I mean by that. But it ain't going to get fixed. Nothing, the Bible says that all things are held together by the word of his power. Jesus holds everything together, which means which means that everything is on schedule just like Jesus wanted it to be. How many know that he's in control? He's controlling the affairs of men. God is in control. Everything you see, I know they want to make you think he's not, but Jesus is in control. Every knee is going to bow because he is great. The primary reason why God is great, why Jesus is great, is because how many know he got up from that grave? The grave could not hold him. The grave could not hold glory. It could not hold resurrection power. It distinguishes Jesus from everything and everybody the resurrection. Number three, the angel said, Watch this, he is called the Son of the Highest. Now, you got to understand what that means in the Greek because it's not the same as we are the sons and daughters of God. You understand what I'm saying? We are the sons and daughters of God, but how many know that that we're not Jesus? Amen? Amen. (laughs) So when he called Jesus the son of the highest, and you study that in his Greek, it means God. That means he's equal to of the same nature as God because, in fact, he is God jesus said as the father raised him up from the dead i do the same thing as you honor the father you're to honor me likewise why is that so important to understand that because jesus is god in flesh i want that to reign deep i want to say it nice and loud jesus is god In In fact, there's a verse, and I just want to give this verse to you. It says, write it down, Colossians 1.15. This is a wonderful verse. Colossians 1.15 says this. In him, talking about Jesus. In him, in him Jesus dwell all the fullness of the Godhead in bodily form. (laughs) In other words, all the fullness of God and everything he is is in bodily form in Jesus. It also says in Colossians 2, verses 9 through 10, listen to this. It says that, I'm sorry, Colossians 1, 15. It says that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. In other words, you want to know what God looks like? Look at Jesus. If you want to worship God, you worship Jesus. In fact, uh, you know, there was a scripture in the Bible when the disciples were questioning him and Philip was asking, said, Lord, show us the father. He says, Philip. I've been with you for a moment, been with you for a minute, been with you for a good while. Don't you understand, Philip, that if you've seen me, you've seen him too. (laughs) In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God, and the Word became Flesh, and we beheld his glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So when the Bible says he's the a, a son of the highest, he's God in flesh. And so you understand that if you reject Jesus, you reject God. Jesus said, if you reject me, you reject him that sent me. And if God came down in flesh, people ignorantly don't understand that when they reject Jesus, they are rejecting God who came down from heaven. How I many know he did not have to do it? He did not have to come. I mean, you think about it. If y'all were my creation, you was acting up. (laughs) Boom, start all over again. (laughs) You know, I really, I mean, because he really don't have to do that, right? I mean, he really, (laughs) you know how we are. You know, y'all ain't acting right, because we'll get rid of each other quick. But God said, no, no, no. He came down. Think about it. He says, look at my, pizza, look at this. My creation has separated itself from me. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to wrap myself in flesh and I'm going to come down and I'm going to subject myself to a bunch of rebels. Not only that, I'm going to let them beat me. I'm going to let them spit on me. I'm going to let them lie on me. I'm going to let them, well, he didn't really let them kill him because you really couldn't kill him. You know. Uh, you know, the, Jesus says, no man will take my life. But, but you know what it means. From a human standpoint, God let them do all of that. Why? Because he loved you so much that he will come down. Think about it. The God of the universe who created everything decided to come down and says, I want you so badly that I'm willing to die and be bruised for you. Amen. So every nail spike that was driven in his hand, Every spike that went through his feet, when they pierced his side, he did it for you. He did it. He didn't even have to do it. How I many know God is not lonely? He's complete. He don't really need you, but he loves you. He loves you with a love that is deep. So he should be called the son of the highest. And so when, when people want to not call him who he is, is a problem. So when the angel Gabriel said to Mary, he's the son of the highest, he is God in flesh. He is God in flesh. Number, number four, the fourth thing she, the angel said to Mary, God will give him the throne of David. How many you know about David? Amen. You, you, you also, I'm going to do a whole series I'm going to do a whole series on David because I love him so much. I think he was just an incredible man of God. The brother was a warrior. He was a fighter. He wasn't perfect. But, but there was something about David. David had a heart after God that was like none other. Bible says that, that David, God loved him so much. God says that David is a man after my own heart. David was in love with God. And David was the second king of Israel. You remember Saul was rebellious. And Saul decided to take matters into his own hand. And so God had anointed David to be the king. And God said to David in that time, David, I am going to establish your throne forever. In fact, the king that's going to rule on that throne is going to come through your loins. Now, if you, just write this verse down because we don't have time really to go there. 2 Samuel chapter 12. I'm sorry, 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 12. To verse 13 and then 2nd Samuel chapter 7 verse number 16 it says when your days are fulfilled and you rest with your fathers I will set up your seed after you who will come from your body and I will establish his kingdom this is prophetic this is speaking at that time about the prophetic Jesus he shall build a house for my name and I will establish his throne forever See, you ought to get excited about that because forever means you. (laughs) 2 Samuel 7, 16 says, And your house and your kingdom shall be established forever before you. Your throne will never end. Your rule will never end. You see, now what God was saying there was he was making room for the Messiah. Everybody say Messiah. Messiah. In the Jewish mindset, they knew what Messiah meant. Messiah would come. They understood that, and this this really came from this verse, that the Messiah would come, and he would destroy the political enemies of that day, and the Messiah would set up his kingdom. You remember that a lot of people thought when Jesus came, that part of the reason or part of the problem they had with Jesus was, they did not count on him coming as a baby. They thought that when the Messiah came, that he would come with power. He would come with great glory. He will come and just destroy all the enemies. In fact, they even said to Jesus on a couple occasions, have you come now to establish the kingdom? And Jesus said, no, no, it's it's not time yet. How many know it's coming? (laughs) Look at the neighbor and say, it's coming. Oh, 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 it's coming. Just in case you fell asleep, I'm about to wake you up this morning. It is coming. Now watch this. Now so, so he says, now watch, the Messiah means the anointed one. The Greek word for Messiah is, watch this, Christo, which means Christ. That's why we call him Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the ruler, who will rule the earth forever. Do you hear that? This king will rule the nations forever. Aren't you glad that God keeps his promises? God prophesied this many, many years ago. And it came to pass in Jesus. Now watch this. The fifth thing that Gabriel said, and we're building, now stay with me. He will rule over the house of Jacob forever. Everybody say rule. Rule. See, the house of Jacob refers to the promise that God made to Israel, again, about the Messiah. You see, they understood this, this whole thing about the Messiah. In other words, there's not going to be a change of guard. You know how sometimes we have kingdoms that come up we have a president in our country. We elected president how many years? Four, four. I'm glad y'all said that. In Virginia, how many years do we have a governor? Four, four. Is that right? Is it more? Two. See, says so y'all, y'all not sure. Go, go back and study. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> but how many know that the Messiah, there's not going to be a change of guard? Hallelujah. He ain't going to rule for a little while, and then, you know, he's going to be going to have elections. How many know elections will be done away with? This is why I tell people, don't get too serious about your politics. I mean, vote, vote your conscience. Go to the booth, pull the lever, uh, pull the lever, vote, do all that good stuff. But, but you know there's coming a point in time that uh, you, you, this kingdom, this great American kingdom system, it will be destroyed. Every kingdom on the earth will be destroyed. Did y'all just get that revelation? Cause y'all looked at me like I was shocked. Do do, do you want me to read a scripture verse to tell you that? Let me take you back to the Bible. How many of you believe the Bible? You believe the Bible, look up Daniel 7, verse 27. Hmm. One verse we're gonna read. Then the kingdom and dominion, and the greatness of the kingdoms under the whole heaven, under the whole heaven, shall be given to the people, the saints, everybody say saints. You know who the saints are? are. Come on. It's going to be given to you. It's going to be given. You're going to rule this thing. Nothing like what we're experiencing today. Hallelujah. It's going to be given to the saints. Everybody say saints Saints. Saints. of the most high and his kingdom. Watch this. Is an everlasting kingdom and all dominions shall serve and obey him. So, so, uh, just so you know, uh, there won't be uh, uh, multiple kings. There's only going to be one. He's going to run the show. Uh, in fact, uh, Isaiah 9:6 says this. And you are familiar with this verse. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon whose shoulders? His shoulders. He's going to run it all. And I get really, really excited about that. You should get excited about that. That his rule will be forever you see now I want you to look at this in contrast to the baby Jesus you know when baby Jesus when he came and most people like to think of him that way and some folks want to try to keep him as a baby but but you can't hold him like that because that's not what he is (laughs) he's much much more than just a baby he's going to rule over a kingdom forever he is the one that is going to set the rules amen a kingdom that is full with righteousness peace and joy a kingdom that is everlasting, which is what the angel said in the sixth point. His kingdom will never end. Revelation eleven fifteen 15 says this. Then the seventh angel sounded, and there were found voices in heaven saying, The kingdoms of this world, everybody know what this world is, right? Amen. The kingdom of this world, the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdom's of our Lord and of his Christ. Everybody say Messiah. Messiah. And he shall reign forever and ever. <laughs> you know why I always tell you, you just, you just can't, listen, I know some of us are having some real tough times in life, in life but you know what? You got to look at life in the face of eternity. You got to look at life in face of where you're ultimately going to end up. Do you not know that God has a plan? He's prepared a glorious place for you and that everything as you know it will be done away with, and that he's gonna renovate this whole thing. This whole thing is going to be not what you see it to be right now. You see, the thing about it is, we gotta remember that we're pilgrims. we're just passing through, everybody say passing through. passing through. But you know, sometimes we act like <coughs> this is the final stop. <clears throat> but if I read my Bible correctly, Jesus is gonna reign, We're going to reign with him, and it's going to be forever. It's going to be a kingdom. Watch this. Righteousness, peace, joy, no problem. Everybody say no problem. No problem in the kingdom of God. You know why? Because sin will be eradicated. How many of you want to live in a place where there's no sin? (laughs) He's already prepared that for us. So his kingdom will never end. The kingdoms of this world will be swallowed up. I know we've had some great kingdoms. Amen. Y'all remember the Roman Empire, you know? Uh, This great nation is a great nation. There have been many, you know, Egyptians back in the day, in biblical days, was a great nation, superpower. But all of it is going to come down at some point because Jesus has to take center stage. And when he comes back, I told you, when he comes back, he ain't coming back as baby no more. The baby that you saw, keep reading about it because you ain't going to see the baby (laughs) <laughs> the baby is all grown up. <laughs> the baby is glorious. The baby is huge. If I can use that word. How will his return come? How many of you are ready for his return? Amen. How will he come back? Will he come back like he came back before, you know? The, he came back quiet. There were some few select people that got to experience it, right? You know, he he showed up to the shepherds and you know, he kind of warned a couple of people here and there. Some people came and saw him. It was rather a kind of a quiet entry, amen? But how many know that uh, when he comes back again, it ain't going to be that way? Let's, let's, let's explore that a little bit. How is, how is he going to turn back? I just got a couple of verses. Revelations, verses 1, verse 7. We don't go into Revelation a lot, but you should read Revelation because that tells you the end of your life, which is the beginning of your life. Amen. <laughs> This is you. Look at the name. Say you. See so you should be getting excited because this is your history. This is where you're going, not your history. This is your future. This is where you're going. This is who you are. This is what Jesus died for. Watch this. Revelation one seven. It says this. Behold, everybody say behold. behold. He is coming with the clouds. Glory, God it. And every eye will see him. See when he comes back, it ain't going to be no. Did y'all where's Jesus at? <laughs> no, no. He said when he comes back, this is after. He has raptured the church. This is when he comes back to set up shop right here on the earth. The Bible says when he comes back, he's coming with the clouds. Hallelujah. And every eye will see him. Watch this. Even those who pierce him, they're going to see him to every eye. Everybody. Those who die, they're going to have to watch this. Let me you know that your flesh is your flesh? Your spirit is always alive. Everybody going to witness this movie everybody gonna have a front row seat ain't no bad seats in the house on this one not one he's coming with the clouds and every eye will see him and they who pierce him and all the tribes of the earth will mourn now why are why are the trials mourning because of him even so amen why are they mourning because he's he coming back he's coming back to destroy his enemies how many know that there's gonna be all-out war against the church y'all starting to see that now if you, don't, if you don't understand that, some of us need to, un- there's an all-out war against the church. Now, I'm speaking prophetically right now. Listen, everything that you see happening right now with this push and how people are trying to squeeze God out of everything, squeeze, G- don't want to see- you to, you got to understand that there is a push, that, that they are going to, the opposition against us to be able to have church the way we have it today, is coming at a point in time, it ain't going to happen like that no more. We're going to be in for a fight. And the church needs to be ready. We need not listen to me. Here's the question. Are you going to be one of those that draw back and say, okay, or are you going to say, you know what? I'm going to ride this thing all the way out. So there's a war. So when he comes back, Jesus is coming to bring war. He's coming to destroy every one of his enemies because why? He's coming to install a brand-new kingdom. An everlasting kingdom. And he's gonna swallow up all the other kingdom. So they're gonna mourn. And there's one scripture in the Bible that said that that many of them would want to die. And they even say at one point, hide us from the face of him who comes, because his glory is so powerful. But how many know you gotta come to grips with Jesus? this is why our message must be urgent this is why we can't listen this is why we can't afford to play church this is why we got to get serious about our father's business because the time is coming the window is closing and how many know we're being squeezed will the real christians please stand up watch this in matthew 24 i read this verse matthew 24 verses 29 through 30. we're talking about G, the grown up Jesus, everybody say grown up Jesus. <laughs> no more baby now. We've already graduated past the baby Jesus. We've been talking about that, but that's not how we're going to end this thing. In Matthew chapter 24, verses 29 through 30 says this Immediately after the tribulation of those days, now the Bible talks about in Matthew chapter 24, there's going to be great tribulation. Now, we understand right now that there's persecution, but, but see, as the intensity of the persecution increases, that means we're getting closer to his return. You're gonna, it's always been problems in the earth, but here's what's going to be happening. It's going to continue to increase problems. There'll be persecution. The love of, the people will, the, the love of many will, will just, uh, people's heart will become cold toward one another. People untrusting, can't trust each other. Lies and deceptions. False Christ all over the place. People saying, oh, I'm Jesus. I'm Jesus. How many know? He just told you how he going to (laughs) come. When he come, every eye is going to see him. He ain't in no cave. Jesus ain't hiding in no desert. When he comes back, you will know it. He's coming with the clouds. That's why I say look up. You got no reason to walk with your head. Look up, please. I don't care what you're going through. Lift your head up because your redemption draws nigh. Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened. Watch this. And the moon will not give its light, and the stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man, God in flesh, will appear in heaven. And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. (laughs) Great glory. Are you looking for him today? See, this changes us. You see, 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 we can't get caught up in this thing of just doing church. We got to remember that the time, the clock is ticking. (laughs) It's ticking. Every single moment is getting closer to when Christ comes back and you know, he can come back whenever he wants. The question is, are you ready for him? Now watch this. I'm going to keep reading. Now look at Revelation chapter 19 verses 11 through 16. Revelation chapter nineteen, verse, verses eleven through sixteen. Now this is you. Everybody say this is me. Uh, I'm almost done. <laughs> Are you there in Revelation chapter nineteen, verses eleven through sixteen? Say amen. Are y'all cheating? No, y'all not cheating. <laughs> I hear no. I hear no. I hear nothing. Okay, but you, I, I trusted you there. Watch this. Now I saw heaven open. And behold, now this is John who sees these visions. John, the the, the whole book of Revelation is a vision that God gave the apostle John. It's the same apostle that wrote the gospel of John. It's the same John that wrote 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John. It's that same John, okay? So John is given, he's taken to the place called the Isle of Patmos. And and he's given this vision, and God is showing him images and visions about what is to come. Everybody say, what is to come? Okay, watch this, and uh, I'm going to start reading in verse number 11. Now I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on him was called faithful. Does anybody know who that might be? (laughs) Faithful and true, and in righteousness, come on, somebody, he judges and makes war. Watch this. His eyes were like a flame of fire. Y'all know we're talking about, right? talking about Jesus. Watch this now. His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. Well, why did Jesus need so many crowns? Where did he get all the crowns from? Where did Jesus get all the crowns from? You see, how many know that that Jesus said that that we receive crowns? You know, the Bible talks about the crown of life. He got so many crowns because every one of us, when we see Jesus, we throw our crowns at his feet. (laughs) We throw all of our crowns. How many know that when you see Jesus, nothing else will matter? We sung that song this morning. Nothing else matters. It really don't. <laughs> when you see Jesus, everything you ever accomplished, every, every good you think, you're going to throw it down at his feet because you're going to see glory. So how many know when the king comes, he's coming with many crowns? Come on, look at the neighbor and say, crown him. Crown, crown the king. Crown. He is a king. How many know king wear crowns? He got many of them. Now, I don't know what that looked like from a picture standpoint, but I imagine that there's no end to that. That's, that's quite a few grounds, because it represents the souls and those that gave their life to him. He had a name written that no one knew except himself, and he was clothed with a robe dipped in blood, and his name is called, watch this, the Word of God. In the beginning, was the Word? The Word was with God, the Word what? Was God. He is called the Word of God. Watch this now. Y'all still in the movies. Y'all stay with me. I'm almost done. Don't go nowhere. Stay with me. And the armies in heaven. And this is all of us coming back with the king. Clothed in fine linen. How many know that at this point we're clothed with the righteousness of God? See, everybody who give their life to Jesus, guess what happened? You get a white robe. You get clothed with the righteousness of God. Now so watch this. And the armies of heaven, in heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, follow him on white horses. Now this is imagery, but the, but the point of it is, is when he comes back, we're coming back with him. We're coming back to do some damage, to set up a kingdom. Now watch this. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that, that with it he should strike The nations. Now, sword just represents their whatever he says. How many know when Jesus speaks, his word cuts? Whatever he says, it's going to happen. The the Bible says the word of God is living, powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. So when Jesus comes, he's going to speak. He's going to speak, and it will be done. Just like he's speaking, does anything else he want to do. How many know the Lord don't have to work for nothing? (laughs) He just speak it, and it happens. Why? Because he's God. I like that about God. How many know we serve a mighty God? Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that that with it he should strike the nations. He's going to destroy the nations at that time because he's ushering in a new kingdom. And he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself will tread the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, watch this, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Does anybody know who that is? Say that name. Say it again. Come on, say that name. One more time. It's all about Jesus, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. He's coming back with a great army. We're coming with him, and we're going to change some things. How many know it's time? I don't know about you, but I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready for him to come. I don't know. I'm just ready because he got some good in store for me. He's made a way for you, church. Amen. How many know? How many of you want his kingdom to come? Amen. See, watch this. Now, now, finally, this is the last verse. I promise you. Last verse, Revelation 21, verse 1 through 5. Are you there? Say amen. amen. Y'all, is somebody say amen. That was quick. That was actually. You said, "Whoa, look at you with your iPad." <laughs> <laughs> she keeping up. She's flowing. All right, that's good. So we like people in our church to read their Bibles, right? You read your Bibles, it's a good thing. We want to do that. So look, look at this. Now what would the new kingdom of God look like? What will, what will, when God comes, when he comes to renovate this entire earth and change everything, in one sense, we're disappointed with what we see, the unrighteousness in the earth. But there's another side to this story. There's another part of us that rejoice because we know that his return is imminent. We know that his return is near. And so how many know we're like conflicted, right? You remember that Paul said in one place? He said, look, I want to die and be with Christ, but I need to stay with y'all because y'all got some problems. Paul said, I'm kind of like in conflict between the two. Paul knew what it meant to be in his presence. But look at this in Revelation chapter 21. I'm at Revelation 4. I got to run to Revelation 21, verses 1 through 5. Now I saw a new heaven and a new earth. This is is what this thing going to look like. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no more sea. Then I John, watch it, saw the holy city, the New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. How you know What was David's kingdom base? Jerusalem. You know all the trouble, all the army, all the fighting is always over there near what? Jerusalem. Is there any wonder why all the nations over there always want to attack Israel? Do, do you have your eyes been closed? Do you not understand that that, that that if America just stepped away from Israel for one moment, they will come crashing in on them? But God has appointed her the city, Jerusalem, the city of the great king. Oh, hallelujah. How do know it ain't going nowhere? God made a promise. and he, he, he came, he made a promise to David, and he brought it through the Jews. And his promise extended, how do we know, beyond the Jews. It was always about the whole entire earth. Amen. His promise was not just about Jews, it was his vehicle. Why? Because he chose. Why? He just loved them that way. Why did God save you? Who knows? <laughs> I mean, why did God save me? I have no clue. Why has he had me standing here preach? I have no clue. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm, I'm just as surprised as you are. <laughs> but, by, but Paul said it this way. Paul said, but look, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. I, I, I can't apologize. All I got to say is he did it. I, I you know, Talk to him about it. I wouldn't have chose me, but he did. Amen. I wouldn't have chose you, but he did. Amen. So we give the glory to him. Come on, somebody. Where are we? Verse 13. He was, where where were we? No, no, Revelation 21.5. Y'all got me all off point. Verse number 2. Then our John saw the holy city, the New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Good God. How many know the church is called the bride of Christ? Y'all understand that? How many know you're married to Jesus? There's going to be a big wedding in heaven. Hallelujah. Verse number 3, and I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. And God will be with them and be their God. Watch this. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death. How many of you hate death? I hate it. I hate going to funerals. I hate it. Y'all please outlive me. I don't want to preach your funeral. I hate them. Amen. Hopefully Jesus will come back before then. But he says, there will be no more death. Death is a result of sin. You understand, you understand that? Every time somebody dies, it's the sting of sin. It's, it's death, it's, it's that thing that, that got us in trouble, separated from God uh, in the first place. And so every time somebody died, it, that is, a, that is a, an absolute uh, display of sin and the consequences of it. Period. Death was never in the equation for us. We were never supposed to die. But how do know he's making all things new? Amen. He's making all things new. He said, I will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death, no more sorrow. Somebody say amen. 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 No more crying yourself to sleep at night. Heaven will not be tears in heaven. Your tear ducts won't work there. I don't know how you're going to express all that joy. Maybe he'll give you a minute because I I, I got some tears of joy or something. But he will wipe away every tear, (laughs) and there will be no more pain. Watch this. For the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. Every head is bowed, every eyes closed. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you this morning that you're not that baby in a manger. You, that was just the way that you came in. But you're God in flesh, always chasing us, always loving us. You came, God. You have a wonderful plan for us, God. And God, I pray that you reminded us today, God. You reminded us today, God, that we have, uh, we have work to do. We have a kingdom that is coming. A kingdom that will last forever and ever. A kingdom of righteousness. A kingdom, a kingdom of no death, no pain, no sorrow whatsoever. Jesus, you made it all happen. That's why you came and died, so that we can enjoy right fellowship with you forever. Forever, God, we bless you. If you hear this morning and you heard this sermon and if you have never given your life to Jesus, you've never given your life to Jesus, perhaps you know of God, you heard of God, but you have never given your life to him, then you must understand that if you've never done that, then you are in your sins and the wrath of God abides on you. But you must understand that Jesus came so that you wouldn't have to endure the wrath of God. If you receive Him a day as Lord and Savior, your name will be written in the Lamb's Book of Life, and you will enjoy the privileges of a kingdom kid. The Bible is clear; it's appointed on the man once to die, and right after he dies, there's judgment, and the only thing God is going to accept is that we accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, surrender our lives completely totally to him when we do that we accept his sacrifice his payment for our sins and we get eternal life and we get to live forever with him if you're sitting here this morning this afternoon I don't want you to leave this place I really don't we we don't want God brought God drew you here because he loves you so much say pastor I don't know if I die today, I'm not sure where I go. I I hope I go to heaven, I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure if I'm gonna go to heaven or hell, and I wanna know the day. If that's you this morning, slip your hand up. Slip your hand up this morning. You wanna receive Jesus as Savior. This is between you and God. You wanna receive him today, anyway. You say, I'm not saved today. I'm not saved today. I want to give you an opportunity. The Holy Spirit Could wants to give you an opportunity to come to Him. Is there one? We never want to close the service without giving everybody an opportunity to get right with God so that your name and your story can be His story. Is there one? Thank you. And Father, I thank you this morning for your word is true. God, I thank you for the reminder for us Christians, Lord. I know sometimes, Lord, we get sidetracked with trivial issues and we forget, Lord God, that there is we got work to do and our time is short and you can come at any moment. God, will you please help us as Christians, Lord, to stay focused on what's really important. Lord, help us not to lose sight of the fact that you died so that you can bring life and your kingdom can expand. God, there are people, Father God, in this school and people who are in this city who don't know you're a savior, but yet, God, you've called them to be a part of your kingdom. Oh God, I pray that you would make us mindful of that, please, God. God, please help us, Lord, to see and to understand that there's no God like our God and there is no other savior but you. Father, we thank you so much and we appreciate you, Lord. And Father, as we open our gifts and as we celebrate, I pray, God, that we will be mindful of the fact that you have paid an awesome price and you have given us more than what this world can ever offer us. And for God, for every time that we put more stock in the things of this world above you, forgive us. God, let us, Lord, remember that the 70 years or so on average that we live on this earth It's not even a drop in the bucket as it compares to eternity. So, Lord God, prepare us in the heart. Prepare us in the spirit. Lord, we give you the praise for it. In Jesus' name, amen, 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 amen. Come on, church, stand to your feet and give God a praise as you do.